have a raptor's back for myself. He who controls the spice controls the universe. Welcome to episode 27 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. I'm Noah Frank, joined as always by my co-host Will Vitka, and this week we're traveling to the year 10,000 and talking about Dune. No, not, no, not, no, not that Dune. The other Dune, the original Dune, the extremely David Lynchian interpretation of Frank Herbert's classic series of novels. Uh, it's just as weird now as it was then. And with the remake coming out next week-ish, yeah, soon, there's no better time to bring in the floating fat man. Will, can you name the catchy early aughts tune that uses a famous line from this film? No, I can't. What, what, what are we talking about? Weapon of Choice by Fat Boy Slim. Walk oh! without rhythm. And oh, dang. attract the worm. Dang, dang, dang. No, I did not. I recognize there's there's a lot of lines from this film that get used in other songs, but I didn't recognize that one in particular. No. Yeah, and pop culture in general, for as as weird. <laughs> I mean, and and I think that you know we can attribute certainly some of that to just the books straight up. Uh, not just this movie, but there's this movie's had a fair amount of cultural impact considering it was kind of not not as well regarded at the time and and kind of shoved no, into, the, into the waste bin of history we will have plenty to talk about in terms of music it is an interesting film on that front but before we get to all of that this is a movie that we both have some experience with uh well what was i'm not gonna ask you why you liked this movie necessarily uh but what what was your experience with this movie what, what was your background with it and and sort of your memory of it i saw this film a few times growing up and I think the first time I must have been 10 or 12 years old, which would have been about 10 years after it came out. Probably the first time, as usual, if anybody has listened to this podcast before, I watched a lot of VHS crap at my grandmother's house when I was about that age. So I, I think that's the first time I saw it and I was very confused. And then I saw it later on, also on VHS, when I was living somewhere else with my dad. And I was still confused. And the primary reason I was confused was because all of the main characters appeared to be the same age. And I was like, who's the love interest? Who's the mom? Who's the kid? I don't know what's going on. Oh, cool worms. And then my brain shut off. Yeah. The casting is, is really interesting. And, and, you know, thinking about the, this upcoming Dune version that, that is just shoved full of, you know, big name actors, uh, the, the fact that, I mean, Kyle McLaughlin, who was, of course, the Twin Peaks star, very connected to David Lynch, but really not like a like a big, big name, you know, kind of leading man. Virginia Madsen, who's had some interesting roles, but not a huge, you know, big name. She plays floating head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and then like Patrick Stewart is, you know, is is great, but like also weird and like all kind of out of place and i and sting is sting and i love that we have another sting <laughs> it's movie. all the madness yeah and then a bunch of sort of you know like random other actors who who aren't necessarily like major popular a lot of them aren't even american and yeah it's a, it's an it's an odd kind of uh melange of you know talent I, I see what you did there yeah yeah you like that so yeah so i similarly i also watched this movie uh, when I was probably too young to watch it and like didn't really like I, I read Dune pretty young and 
I, I, I actually can't remember. I feel like I got through about, I think I got through three of the books when I was like 11 or 12. And yeah, so I, I think after saw, the first three, it's just like, no. Yeah, well, I probably saw the, the movie the, for the first time around that time. And then I definitely saw it again sometime later, although I can't really pinpoint if that was high school, college. It's I, I mean, it's been at least 15 years, I'd say since the second watch and and yeah like i remember it i didn't remember all the details but again having read the books like you you remember a lot of the the plot points and sort of the way things go anyway i remembered that it didn't that that, and this shouldn't be a surprise that david lynch's vision of this world didn't match my vision after having read the books um I think if your vision matches David Lynch's vision, that is a clinical diagnosis for psychosis. Like it's <laughs> like you, you shouldn't. The whole point is that he has this sort of unique vision of things. And I remember that being a disappointment the first time I watched it when I was young and then sort of accepting and knowing what was coming the second time, being able to appreciate the absurdities here and there and him, you know, the ways in which he sort of has fun with the world. Do you... <laughs> you said you read the books also well i did and this doesn't again this much like you said this doesn't really match what i thought i was seeing as i was reading the books but just i guess to get not necessarily ahead of things but to keep us on track the the plot ultimately with the books at least with the first book anyway and then and we're going to totally ignore uh, the crazy stuff that happens later on. We're not going to get into uh, God Emperor of Dune, the sandworm slash human that appears to control the universe at some point. Because that's just, that's actually Lynchian nonsense. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Frank Herbert. <laughs> the, idea, the idea behind the primary narrative of the book is that there is one world upon which this thing called spice is cultivated. And in the books, it's worm poop. But it allows you to fold space-time and it allows civilizations to travel throughout the known universe. The spice must flow. And there are three houses, so to speak. It's very Game of Thrones before there was a Game of Thrones. So there's the house Harkonnen, there's the house Atreides, and then there's like the emperor who lives on a, a third planet. And the emperor doesn't like Atreides because he believes that Atreides is going to be a direct conflict of him with regards to power he'll be overthrown so he sort of aligns himself with the Harkonnens to overthrow Atreides or decimate slash destroy Atreides so that he can remain in power that's the basis and then it turns out that Paul which is the goofiest name for yeah the goofiest name for for your savior yeah (laughs) your savior I'm Paul it's like Tim from from a Monty Python skit. Ah, his name is Tim. Anyway, his name is Paul. And Paul turns out to be the uh, the god king of the universe and uh, leads the space Muslims <laughs> to retake the spice world and thwart the plans of the Harkonnen and, uh, and the emperor. Right, yeah. The Fremen, uh, or the, uh, the the name for, for our, our locals, are displaced and put upon locals uh, who live in the desert in hiding. Um, I love how it's like so close to Freeman. You're just like, oh, yeah, okay, right. All right. It is the year 10,191, which is, I, you know, the, one of the things that, that there is a lot that draws on, on Dune. You, you mentioned Game of Thrones in terms of the houses and certainly Star Wars 
is oh gosh, yeah. been accused many times of, of ripping off a lot of, of Dune's kind of mythology. And it is interesting that <laughs> almost like to plant the flag that you know that this, this movie opens and it's it's the year 10 191 and, and star wars opens no no, no it was a long time ago <laughs> far away this isn't, this isn't the future uh but yeah it's Ar- arrakis is our spice planet right there's the, the trade guild that which again star wars but that that uses the spice to fold space uh instead of using light speed or hyperspeed to move across the vastness of space also spice gets you high and turns your eyes blue if you uh consume enough of it over a long enough period of time but apparently so that's okay there, there there don't appear to be any downsides yeah in, i it, in, was, in, in the book there's a whole like there's a whole thing in the books about like how you get fucking addicted to it and the movies is just like oh no this shit is awesome yeah i i it's that's a piece that i wish they'd gone into more also you and you mentioned it's sort of worm like Worm poop. Yeah. yeah, and they don't really define that in the, in the movie. The movie they just say it's the worms, which doesn't really make sense. And it's not actually the worm. Like it's not the worms. There's a lot underexplained, or as I have in my notes, the entire second half is just a summary, which is <laughs> uh, what it felt like watching it this time. I really forgot how much they just like. They're like, oh, we'll take one sentence from every chapter and just move this along. And it, it, you kind of lose a lot of the like, there's no, there's no build. There's no like, it's, it's, it's just like, it's just like hitting bullet points on a page. Yeah. So our, our, our good friend and uh, podcast participant, uh, Z Cartner actually is a big fan of the Dune series. And he pointed out that, yeah, once you hit the two hour mark, that's how long it takes Paul. This is what se- one of the things, one of the many things that separates the film from the book series. It takes two hours before we get to the Fremen. And then David Lynch, apparently, while writing this screenplay, it was like, oh, shit, we have a whole half of the book. We got to just, just finish it real quick. Just finish it real quick. So everything feels super rushed and, and not explained in any way, shape or form. And it's just like, uh, I guess that happened. Okay, cool. Here's Patrick Stewart in a really long hair in the back because he's pulled on top it's just it's so silly it's so so silly yeah the there are several time issues there's like they launch like the war and they're like for the next two years and you're like wait a minute what well hold on <laughs> two years like yeah and it all happens one in the voiceover. battle yeah well right and the use of voiceover in general is that really graded on me this time around because they use every character has voiceover has a sort of whispery voiceover so you can like see inside their heads which okay but but then they just keep repeating lines like there's so many repeated lines and it's it's, like it's really funny to watch this with the uh closed captioning on because it adds like the this this bracketed thing it's like inner voice is he is he looking for the spice I think there's a connection between the spice and the worms. And you're just like, fucking, okay. All right. You, right. That's got it. Every time that happens, it's like 30 seconds that could be saved or trimmed. Cause this is, this is almost three hours long. Well, and it's funny. Cause like the new one, I think is supposed to be longer. Oh God. No. But I mean, the, it's, it's tough to tell this story. There's a lot that happens and there's a fair amount of characters that, that you have to introduce along the way to where you're really gonna have to pick and choose like i just i just know from watching the previews that like jason momoa plays duncan idaho yeah well 
Duncan Idaho barely shows up in this version. I mean, he's in like three scenes. He, he, you don't really understand that he's an important character, like in the, in the course of, but you don't understand that he's sort of his like protector and like best friend. And well, yeah, he's the big brother character in the books. And so in this, in the Lynch version, yeah, he's basically persona non grata. Like it doesn't matter. Right. Right. You see Paul like very distraught that he dies and that's about the extent of the emotional connection. Okay. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see sort of the different, the differences in, in emphasis, you know, in terms of what, what they devote time to. Yeah. I mean, it's all over the map in this one. It's, it's, this is a mess of a movie, but I, I do have faith in Denis Villeneuve. I know we're not talking about the, the new one, but let's keep talking about the old one. What, why don't, why don't we, we were talking beforehand about the soundtrack. Why don't we just jump right into the soundtrack? I thought it was hilarious. And, and some of these will leak right into what places this film in 1984 when it came out, such as the prophecy theme by Brian Eno. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Opening credits. The sounds of the wind in the background, I thought were, were an interesting sort of, you hear that a lot kind of throughout that that's used as textural layering. And then another extremely uh, 1984 thing when he's, you know, riding the worms at the end, this like electric guitar, almost mad, almost like Mad Max Fury Road electric guitar comes blaring through. you that's exactly what i was gonna say it's extremely mid 80s uh but yeah i don't know what 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 else did you did you notice out of of Uh, well unfortunately i have exactly the same thing to say as you which is uh yeah the suddenly like the the hair metal kick-ass uh rock and roll thing while he's riding the sandworm um was i loved it it was so Oh, yeah. I, I was just like so on board with the soundtrack <laughs> and the sound design. I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I have anything that deviates from that, but I, I, I loved it. I really did. It was so goofy and so over the top. Well, let's just take that right into other time, time and era references. What, what, what else did you have that, that marked this movie in, in the time that it was actually made? Literally all of the actors. Yeah. Sting. 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 Yeah, Sting was the big one. And then you had the guy from Quantum Leap playing uh, Yue, the turncoat doctor. Of course, Kyle MacLachlan, who is, by the way, I should say fantastic in this. He's the best part of the movie in terms of actors, probably. Like, he's he's doing the best he can <laughs> with what I, he's got. I actually forgot to look. How old is he? I mean, he's, like, in his mid-20s, right? Like, he's I, he's I way so. too old to play Paul. Yeah, like, he can't be Paul. It's, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an issue. Yeah. Jurgen Prochnow is fabulous, but like he did he did this and then like a ton of other there's so many character actors in this that I was sort of enthralled just by the number of people um that I sort of recognized from other bad, bad movies. And he makes a a, a starring turn in uh Uwe Bull's House of the Dead, which I can't let that go unmentioned. But yeah, there are so many actors just like from that time that that didn't really do anything else other than, you know, a handful of them. Of course, uh, Patrick Stewart is Jean-Luc Picard, but in this he has uh, both a battle pug tucked into his, his jacket. And then uh, later on, once he's 
magically revealed to be part of the Fremen resistance, I guess, has like six inches of long hair in the back of his head. Just sure. wonderful silliness. Just yeah. very goofy. The 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 look of it uh to me really puts it in into that time frame too uh just in terms of, really? of special effects and stuff yeah because there's a lot of model special effects and i think it's the thing that maybe disappointed me the most is that you know when, when we think about like future landscapes and big sci-fi sort of model pieces and stuff i mean you have star wars and the star wars franchise that was late 70s early 80s and continued to get better in terms of those. Like it looked, it continued to look significantly better. Those movies were all three years apart and you could really see the progression in terms of technology between, I think whatever it was, 77, 80 and 83, I think were the three yeah, yeah. release years, which is all before this, all before Dune. And you look at Blade Runner, which was 82. And I think, right. And, and yeah. Blade Runner's, sort of view of the future and and, and the, the way things looked i i think both of those movies and or sets of movies looked better and more impressive and more interesting sort of depictions of the future yeah i think i'm gonna agree with you on a purely technical level because i there was some stuff that aged really well in the Dune, in the Lynch Dune movie. I don't actually know who did the special effects, but I know that Dennis Murin, who was Industrial Light and Magic, did the special effects for Blade Runner. And like, you can't, you just can't beat Dennis Murin's work. Yeah, I mean, ILM. Special effects, ILM perspective. A lot of the Dune stuff held up okay to me. Not great, but there was some that was like comically bad. Every time, (laughs) every time you saw Kyle MacLachlan like falling for more than five feet, it was like this awful, green screen background yeah so yeah there's there's some comically bad effects yeah i mean baron harkonnen floating around is is still funny and, That's fine. and it still it's works funny, yeah. and it's you know it's it's more the large scale stuff for me it's it just like like the, the big yeah I, pieces, you're right yeah you're just right. they just they just kind of didn't i mean kind of in the way that like <laughs> like even like like outland you know to reference another film from this podcast even those were like even though you, you could tell they were dated they still like looked like what they were supposed to look like i guess you know some yeah. of these some of these i was just like eh, i don't know i can the tell that, that i can tell that this is a model <laughs> you know what i mean well the stuff that really stood out to me is like some of the it's it you know i don't know why david lynch was actually hired for this because he always says like super small scale stuff but in those uh, i don't know if you how we describe this exactly but those like huge panoramic shots where there are like thousands of extras in the sand you yeah. can see like multiple people just like falling over because they don't know how to run in sand. Like it's clear that Lynch was just like, okay, go, I guess, or whatever. And like, they just fall over. Yeah. That's the stuff that's the worst yeah. to me. The effects themselves. Yeah. Pretty bleh. And some of them are terrible, but <laughs> watching extras fall over. is just hilarious. That kind of leads us into plot holes and continuity errors and, and stuff like that. So were, were there were there other things that that, uh, that stood out to you on that front, either in terms of, you know, the actual shots themselves or just in terms of the way that the that the narrative structure was was ordered? Just very rushed. It's a very rushed kind of thing. As you, as you had mentioned, you're trying to take a an extremely, extremely dense mythical narrative that spans 
in book form hundreds if not thousands of years and lynch apparently wasn't even interested in science fiction had never read the books and so he was just kind of cobbling together a screenplay i guess because he had turned he was actually up for return of the jedi strangely enough and was like no i'll do dune and so the visuals are kind of cool but like narratively he clearly had no idea what he was doing so uh, it's like everything it, it, all the things are plot holes i mean they they wait until the last 15 minutes of the movie to to bring alia in who is paul's little sister who right. in the books is like a really important character yeah i mean it I, it, it the whole i mean the, the right, whole thing it, is a plot hole yeah it's just it's so underexplained it, it, like like yeah. they, they'll just say stuff like oh uh i had to conquer the worm and you're like well why <laughs> like there's no explanation for why like if they'd given the explanation it would have made sense it would have fit and they and, and like but like they, they just don't and and it felt to me like I, I i don't know because i had read the books before i ever saw this but it felt to me like you couldn't watch this having not read the books and have any fucking idea what was going on no 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 yeah at some point it just was like catering to people who already kind of knew and was just like oh well yeah we're gonna hit all the points of things that happen well yeah like you said it's like a bullet point thing like all right we're gonna check this box we'll check this box we'll check this box but the idea of the uh, i can't remember the exact name but the the motherhood that is telepathic the bene gesserit you know that's a thing and there's a reason for that to exist and it's because they know the spice and it god in the books like the spice is explained like it makes it makes sense within the mythology of the books and there's actually down to even like how spice gas is different than the spice unrefined spice itself and so in this you're like uh okay so i guess there's a, a, a sperm that just folds stuff cool uh, everybody get into the into the thing from the Star Trek movie tube, and now we fold space, and now you you go here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there are spots where they explain stuff, and then there's spots where they just don't even try. And, and like, I know, I know you you don't like Chris Nolan, but like, I th- I feel like when when Chris Nolan builds a world out, he uses his characters to explain what's going on in, until Tenet, which he kind of was like, eh, you figure it out. But like, that, but yeah, but but yeah, I mean, like he he knows that it's complex and and that it's going to require explanation and instead of having i mean they didn't even use the voiceover really except for like at the beginning like the the sort of emperor's daughter voiceover but like they didn't use the voiceover to explain stuff like the whole point of a voiceover is if you can't like have your characters figure it out like like for for the audience like have somebody else do it have a have a the omniscient narrator do it or even a not omniscient narrator but like like have have somebody narrate what's going on and it's always a you know a tough thing transitioning from from a book especially a book as long and as dense and as sort of full as dune is but it's just there was no like good attempt to make the characters whether through voiceover or through dialogue like make any of that make any sense no, it seemed like they just didn't care. Uh, and it, it's hard to, I'm a pretty big fan of David Lynch's movies in general, but he just, I don't know what he was thinking with this. I don't know what the, I don't know why it was him. You know, uh, yeah. there, there's uh, there's Yuridowski's, I don't know how to pronounce his name exactly, but there's Yuridowski's Dune, like that that documentary that was made about this crazy uh, uh, Spanish or Argentinian, like, uh, dude who wanted to do dune and it was like 
so intricate that he made like some kind of 900 page you know shooting script or something like that and it was gonna take like 18 hours or something bananas <laughs> to tell the story and i was like that's the one i want to see where it's just like okay go nuts instead we get this bizarro three hour long lynchian but not lynch nonsense yeah i mean it's just it's so tough to fit dune into you know a two and a half three hour feature film and you don't necessarily have to anymore, which is, it's interesting that they're, that they're doing that again and in, within those same constraints, considering that you have, you know, something like Foundation, which is being taken, you know, into a much larger space in a streaming series where you can have a full season or multiple seasons and tell tell a whole story. And like, it, you know, with how much is there in Dune, I, it is certainly interesting enough to warrant it. And I think you could, you know, it would it would be a big budget thing, but I, I we've seen it happen with so many other things in terms of science fiction or fantasy. Where well, I, I don't see why that's not a better decision than trying to make a feature film, unless the idea is, oh, this is going to just be so big that we're already going to make six films out of it and have it be a whole thing, which they might, and you know maybe that is the plan, but it it just seems it doesn't seem like the right way to approach it. I don't know. I, I, one of the concerns maybe from the creators is that like. Game of Thrones already happened and how do you do Dune without the Game of Thrones comparisons on the small screen so you've got Denis I mean I'm, this is a guess yeah. on my yeah. part because they, they again very similar and we've already talked about how Dune came first it's 1965 it's way before George R.R. R. Merton figured out how to create blood and rape in his own interesting way but it I do agree I think it would make sense to get a talented director give him a modest budget focus somewhat on the effects, but the effects aren't the story. The story is the people. Right. That's 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 why we like it. And so I think that's also one of the reasons that obviously we have not seen the new Denis Villeneuve film, but it's one of the reasons that previous attempts, including the sci-fi channel Dune series failed, doesn't focus on the people in the right way. It's not about the spectacle. The spectacle is in the background. Yes, the worms are there. Make the worms cool but make sure you focus on Paul and his journey, his hero's journey, and just let the story tell itself. It doesn't need to be huge. Right. As Redneck Dune taught us. <laughs> when they when they were using the thumpers in Dune, I was like, it's Tremors, Tremors, yeah. Tremors, Tremors. Yep, yep. I was like, oh, uh, this is a much better movie. I would watch that instead. I, it, it was so funny about just all the connections. Like, oh, if you're on Solid Rock, I was like, oh, right. All this is straight. It's literally straight out of Dune. Maybe that's the one good thing that Dune gave us. I, like, honestly, like, look at that's the 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 best thing that the Dune, in terms of non not just the books, has given us is all these other things in pop culture. There are so many yeah. things in pop culture that that borrow from Dune. But yeah, I mean, I you know I've talked about it a number of times on on the podcast. But you know, The Expanse is a, is a, another you know set of books, and it's a whole set of books, and they just took one book per season, sort of. I mean, it's not a one to one exact parallel but basically it's like a one-to-one -one. and they just you know it, there's a much better way of doing that where you can get into the characters the characters are what yeah. matter in the expanse i mean it's, it's built around the sort of core quartet and you know very very different kind of story but not really in terms of like still it's still this you know beautiful space backdrops but it's really about this human element of everything so yeah David Lynch both wrote and directed this movie, uh, as he also did with the 2006 film Inland Empire. 
which is where my freshman year roommate at UCSB was from, thereby fulfilling Gotcha Watch with as much logic as a David Lynch film deserves for this episode. I just want to give a cursory mention to Battlebug. We have no idea where there's... Well, a... Listen, let's talk about the characters. Battlebug's the character. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. <laughs> is he not? He's as much a character as anybody else, I suppose. Um, He's as may- well developed as about half the characters. <laughs> so just in case anybody hasn't seen this, there is a pug before before Leto, not Jared Leto, but uh, Baron Leto, goes off to the dune planet of Arrakis, which sounds conveniently like Iraq, and he just has a pug with him. It, that- it, is, it is the only animal. non-human, non-worm yeah. life yeah. in in the whole movie yeah and that pug shows up in various scenes throughout the film including patrick stewart's battle motion where he decides to fight the invading harkonnen troops he has the pug tucked into his combat vest or jacket whatever you want to call it and then the pug is never seen again and that's it it's just like what i mean draw your own conclusions i got nothing I, really, I literally have nothing. Well, didn't you say there's like like a fan site for the Battle Pug? The Battle Pug has its own fan base, yeah. It's kind of great. But it's just, again, one of those decisions where it's like, okay, I guess that's happening now. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I, I honestly, I think the most well-developed characters are the Arcanans, who are just completely so sociopathic. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like the, the, he goes to like a long, takes a long sort of multi-pronged build to show us how crazy and like depraved they are they're all they're all redheads that's one that's one of the weirder they're all sort of recessive genes basically yeah Uh, which i think is intentional i think i think the the point yeah it can't not be intentional that they're supposed to be sort of physically inferior i mean i think that's the implication Certainly, the Baron is very sick and you know gross yeah. as all the oils and everything. And like, and they're you know, they're, other than Sting, they're all like gross and fat and ugly and like like falling apart, like physically falling apart. In yeah, like, all all the facial reconstruction stuff is really gross, actually. You are so beautiful, my Baron. Your skin, love to me. Your diseases, lovingly cared for for all eternity but like every way that they can try to make them look or seem physically inferior they kind of do and i didn't really remember if they were painted that clearly as just like like that obviously is you're supposed to root against them i guess yeah i don't don't, don't remember either like they're, they're so vividly painted that way and then and then like there isn't anything like particularly noble about about the atreides clan except that like duke well like, the, the duke like saving people you know in the desert yeah they kind of they kind of make that point with like a max von Sydow character who's there with the baron and helps connect everything but it still doesn't explain like again why why is there a dog like what is the actual story here and he ends up getting killed off like kind of quickly by the gross ass harkonnens so you have these setups where it's like okay Here's somebody who's noble, Baron Leto and Paul, and then the gross-ass Harkonnen, who are all redheads. Again, it's just a strange choice. Well, um, and, 
and, and and it just there is there's no ambiguity about like well everybody is is controlling this planet over the native population like like i think that's where maybe the new movie has a chance to like be a little more gray about like are are the atreides really good guys like are they just the next people in charge of of you know of this of this situation and it's 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 it, there's no ambiguity about like who you're supposed to root for in terms of, of the houses here yeah i mean i guess that's one of the questions that is not it's not answered by anything because i don't know how like how were how was the muslim world viewed in 1960 when the book was written because the 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 fremen are clearly like our islam stand-in house of treaties i guess is not totally bad <laughs> and then harkonnen is like mostly bad yeah i mean you you could certainly draw your sort of soviet u.s proxy middle east war yeah ideas out, out of everything um uh I, I i don't know i don't know how how deep that goes in terms of of what herbert was looking to to, to write about and yeah i think i'd have to that's something to look at listeners look that up for us <laughs> let us know in the, on the twitters yeah, I, I just, just to sort of round out characters and stuff. You, you talked about how they don't get into enough of the Bene Gesserit. I also don't understand why Paul's mom is so fragile in the when they're like escaping. If she's supposed to be this powerful Bene Gesserit, like why is she? She's she's like fainting and and unable to take care of herself, and just it feels very against the grain of what they're supposed to be it's it's again like you said it's it's just kind of a mess i mean it's a it's kind of a fun mess if you're in the mood but you yeah. gotta be in the mood yeah for sure well we we already know that this movie could get made again today because it is literally been made and is coming out <laughs> um but what are you most interested to see i we've talked about this a little bit but I, what, what are you most interested to see in terms of how they handle the remake and and what they try to to do differently from from this one my guess is it's going to be kind of the same. I don't, I don't really know that Denis Villeneuve has any. Based on his previous films, all the way back to Enemy, he definitely likes the the big the big picture stuff. And I actually can't say this without spoiling the end of Enemy, so I won't. But he really, really likes his panoramics, and I'm worried that he's going to be too interested in the worm things to really get down to the nitty gritty. But at the same time, Sicario is really good. I'm not, I'm just not super sure. I'm curious about how he deals with the weirding module, which is another thing that's just kind of tossed out there. And for the love of God, just don't make them look like boxes <laughs> trying to stab each other. Get back! She has the weirding way. Yeah, I've, I I saw already like a friend of preview. I mean, it's it, it looks much better, obviously. Okay. We're, right. we're, you know, we're free I, I on um yeah it's it's i do worry that that he he'll, he'll run into a lot of the same issues in terms of explaining the world because there's so much to explain and he he tends to especially in, in like blade runner 2049 yeah like these big expansive loud colorful shots you know that that are just sort of supposed you're just supposed to soak in but like you can't just do that with this like this world needs so much explaining and if you're going to be successful in the ways that the that this version wasn't in terms of 
making this approachable to people who don't know the books, you know, make really telling yeah. an independent story uh, from the books, you're, you're going to have to spend a lot of effort and time trying to, in an interesting way, uh, inform the viewer of, of what, what the hell is going on. Yeah. I, I really think that I maintain that my, my stance of doing this as a movie or even a series of movies is just the wrong way to do it. It, it, much like you said, it needs to be a series that does not necessarily have an end date because there are there are eight fucking books, man. And yeah. they're really dense. You could take an entire season to build up to Leto having that conversation with Paul saying, you know, the sleeper must awaken. Without change, something sleeps inside us and seldom awakens. The sleeper must awaken. I mean, there's there's so much there. The idea that you can tackle this in, in two hours or three hours is just the wrong way to approach this. So uh, I, I don't, I, I don't have high hopes. Yeah, I mean, that I, way. I'm interested. I'm interested to see it. It's it's you know, uh, I will I will accept it as as much as, as just like I know it'll be beautiful. I know it'll look good. Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. Sure. Um, and you know, that's the only thing that I demand out of it that I that I know is it's gonna it's it's gonna provide. I you know we'll, we'll see about the rest of it. You sort of alluded to this. I I it's a weird question for this one because of the sequels and because of the world and everything. We always ask what has happened to each of the characters and and the world in the intervening ten plus years up to present day. Do you want to ignore sequels on this and and take a stab at this, or or, or do we want to just leave this one alone? I think I think we leave it alone because my answer would just immediately be like Paul turned into a fat worm. I just feel, I feel like it'd be like Paul turned into a dictator and and you know drunk on spice power and yeah. and and other people just kept attacking Arrakis for for their resources. Like they're not going to like be able to control that like you know. Yeah. I mean especially if we're drawing this whole, you know, multiple world superpower Middle East, you know, comparison. Yeah, I think the whole point is that Arrakis represents the uncontrollable, right? Yeah. That's yeah. why it's called Arrakis. It's, it's, it is literally the Middle East. You just don't fuck with it. Leave it alone. Is spice oil? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's oil and heroin. <laughs> like, both. Oil, right? oil and opium. Right. Yeah. Because that's Afghanistan. Well, right. But and that's, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, just all rolled into one. Just, just maybe don't, because <laughs> you're you're not gonna have a Paul. Paul doesn't exist. Right. Just just let it go. World, world superpowers. Please don't. But I mean, I mean, that's the whole thing. Is 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 that's the the, the whole savior idea and the organized religions all all pointing to you know their own yeah. their own idea of, of what that's supposed to look like. So anyway, read Dune. <laughs> for sure you should read dune if you haven't read dune read it before the movie comes out yeah read the first um, like four books well at least read the first one and you'll know if you if it's your cup of tea in terms of watching dune well uh i think we have to return to 1984 dune here 
this is a movie that we watched multiple times. I don't know that I would say that I liked it. I, I remember it. It left an impact on me. How did you feel about it this time around? I enjoyed it more this time because I understood more of it because it had obviously when I was 10, I hadn't read the books and hadn't fully understood the books. It was more fun. The, the acting sucks. <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin is a lot of fun. There's so much that's left out that it made it annoying and i was like oh okay so this should happen now and then the movie was like no 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 we have we have 45 minutes we gotta rush through the second half of the book so it was very it was frustrating but pretty and that's that's probably how the denis villeneuve movie is going to come out like frustrating but pretty yeah i it it, i i think i enjoyed the first whatever two-thirds of it more and then i really didn't appreciate how that last together yeah yeah it just it just felt like such a waste and you know it didn't really pay off anything that that it had tried to 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 build it didn't put the emphasis on the right stuff unless you want to hear that rock and brian eno guitar yeah yeah well and in that movie you know the original spent all of its budget and and attention on the worms too i mean that that was you know uh it was clearly like a huge thing and i get it like visually and but it's you know they're not the most important thing that's happening yeah it kind of it's kind of like somebody looked at the covers of the books and was like oh that's the thing i should do yeah well also of course uh i forgot to mention earlier but just the 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 obvious star wars comparison with the voice and the force i i think if you if you like star wars and you don't know about dune you you will you will realize how much of it comes from this i mean how much of it is 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 really drawn from it yeah and and why you know in that sense it's it's a really important cultural text and like I said read it. <laughs> uh, it literally the best selling science fiction novel of all time yeah yeah all right I, what else you got uh, any other any other assorted notes you had a couple of things uh, oh before, before we came on just about uh, uh, just some trivia stuff David Lynch was apparently going to direct or was in in the running to direct Return of the Jedi which is very interesting. I cannot imagine Return of the Jedi as directed by David Lynch. That sounds like madness. I, the Ewoks would have actually roasted humans. <laughs> they would have actually gotten them onto the fire. We've seen glazed humans uh, over over an open pit. Yeah, more likely than not. The other one is that this debuted at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., which is where Noah and I are uh, podcasting from. So that's a lot of fun. I have no idea what the audience reaction was, obviously, to the screening of the Dune movie. One, one of one of my favorite little things uh, that I just like, I have no idea where this came from, why it's in the movie, but I, I was the hardest I laughed is when they pull, like when the guild navigator shows up at the Emperor's Palace, and I think it was the second time, and then they like pull the box away it leaves this like slime on the floor and then one of the like guild helpers starts vacuuming it up <laughs> like and like only like in a, like a couple like lines worth and leaves like 80 percent of it and then they like walk out and i was like what what's happening there <laughs> what? Like, one, of the, one of the things that stood out to me was how much the the navigator slug thing it looks exactly like the brain bug from Starship Troopers. Yeah. 
So I'm sure that there's somebody else watched that and was like, oh yeah, this is totally our brain bug. Because yeah. it's a nightmare sperm. Yeah, well, there's a lot of close shots on it just emitting fumes and stuff. It's oh yeah, god, the, what, the whatever thing. Oh, yeah, so gross. Yeah. Between that and all the all the Harkon and Vogus on like all the grossness of them. I mean, that's that's the, the Lynchian stuff really coming through. Yeah, for sure. Anything else? There is one thing where Baron Harkonnen spits on Paul's mom. Yeah. That was extraordinarily pornographic and really gross. Goodbye, Jessica. A goodbye to your sweet son. I want to spit once on your head. Just some spittle in your face. yeah yeah i mean i like like we talked about before it just it seems like they went out of their way to make them be as gross as possible and i'm not quite sure to what end except to just make them clearly the villains but yeah it was like all right we get it yeah do i need that no no that was gross even to me and i like 80s slasher movies i was like yeah well hey on that note (laughs) Let's wrap this up. Who brought this movie? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody even knows. Yeah, it just exists in the (laughs) void. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and on Instagram at like this movie. You can jump into the conversation using the hashtag ITILTM. That's hashtag ITILTM. Use the hashtag ITILTM and talk to us about the movies. See you next time. I Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? Not till you give me the What's gun. What's in the fucking box? Give me the gun.